We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Light. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he dives, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! Yeah, you heard it. This is Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. He's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. And we've got some breaking news off the top uh, that we'll get to right away. We'll also talk about the NFL shortening its preseason. And then a report from Adam Schefter saying that the league is considering reducing roster sizes down from 90 in training camp. And then we'll also field some questions from Twitter in our holiday weekend mailbag. We're recording this on Thursday, July 2nd. So we wanted to get some questions in going into the holiday weekend. But Chris, uh, I want to start with the DJ Reed news. He tweeted at 5.07 p.m. Pacific time, a note that said, quote, Today it felt like I was dreaming. I wanted to wake up from not having a torn pectoral. I realize it is what it is. All I can control is how I respond to what life throws at me. I can control my thoughts, my attitude, and my actions. I will speak positively only because the power of the tongue is real. Once I get surgery, I will heal up and I will attack my rehab. And he goes on. So what does DJ Reed's potential absence, because I'm guessing a torn pec that requires surgery, is going to keep him out 
at least until the start of the season. Yeah, there's no doubt. He's um, He might not come back till midseason if he comes back at all. We don't know right. how significant the tear is. Um, we're not going to have any sort of prognosis um, until presumably until we talk to Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch again, which probably isn't going to happen uh, for at least a few weeks here. So it's really hard to tell because um, some guys it and it's a season ender, and for some guys like Juan Alexander last year, uh, it means missing two months and then trying to come back even you know not at a hundred percent. And Juan Alexander, I don't think was really close to 100% just in terms of the way his his injury felt when he was back uh, when he returned for the playoffs. So, I mean, it's not the biggest loss in the world for the 49ers. DJ Reed, who played in all 16 games last year, was active, and, and I believe he was active in, in all three playoff games too. Um, he's essentially their sort of utility man in the secondary. He's not a starter. Right. Um, he can play in the slot and he can play free safety, similar to Jimmy Ward in that sense. But you know, with Jimmy Ward being healthy now, as far as we know, and uh, Kwan Williams being healthy in the slot, um, I don't know that this is necessarily going to hurt the 49ers unless other guys start getting hurt. Um, DJ Reed probably wasn't going to win the starting job opposite Richard Sherman over you know Akella Witherspoon or uh, Emmanuel Mosley. Emmanuel Mosley might end up being the team's number two slot cornerback anyway. Um, I know he played a lot of slot in practice and with the second and third team in training camp the last couple of years. So it's not a big loss for the 49ers now because Reed isn't projected to be a starter. But I think he's a pretty high-level backup. Like He's a, he's a good yeah. backup to have given his versatility. Um, he's on the smaller side, but he's definitely fearless. Like... You know that he's got. Um, I don't. I I hate cliches like this, but he's got a lot of dog in him. Like he's not. He's a dude that you would feel okay with walking down a dark alley with, right? Like he's that kind of dude, even though he's not a big guy. Right. Um. Really tough. Really versatile. Uh, I don't know how good he is because we haven't really seen an extended sample of him playing a lot. I think he played something like 130 defensive snaps last year, so pretty limited overall but it's a loss um it's it certainly doesn't help because you know we you and I have spent so much time talking about how the 49ers need to address the secondary in meaningful ways whether it be draft picks or free agency just because of the uncertain future of the position and Reed was one of those guys who you know was under contract he, he's still on his rookie deals it's his third season coming up so he has two more years under rookie control after being a fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick in 2018. Um, so I think Reed's a good backup. He's a good player. He can. He's one of the guys who is in the mix for, like, punt and kickoff returns. Right. Um, and so it hurts because, you know, he's a core special teams guy. But it's not um, – I don't think it's going to hurt the 49ers all that much. We'll have to see when he returns. I'm guessing we're probably looking at something like the second half of the season – uh, starts a year on on uh, PUP or NFI, and then we see him maybe November. PUP is physically unable to perform. NFI is non-football injury, which is an injury suffered while the player is not with the team. And since the team is not together right now, he would be eligible uh, to go on the NFI. So 
you mentioned the the DJ Reed, and if the Niners are going to lose somebody for perhaps half the season, maybe more, a player like Reed who played 125 snaps last year on defense, 49 of them coming in the slot, the game that K1 Williams missed, K1 Williams missed against the Falcons, like that's a guy, and then a bunch of his other snaps came in blowouts. He's much easier to replace than a starter. And while you, you never want to see a player get hurt if you're the 49ers, there are definitely players uh, who they would who they would rather not see tweet out that they tore a pack. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you certainly hope, though, that, that he goes the same route as Quan Alexander and can be back. Uh, within a couple months, rather than missing either either half the season or or an entire season, so this is something that I think the next time it comes up, it might be if the Niners have another player in their secondary become unavailable. But um, for now, for now, I don't think that that this is derailing their Super Bowl chances. Uh, the other thing I wanted to get to on the top here was the news yesterday. Pro Football Talk and Mike Florio initially reported that the NFL is going to cut two preseason games this year. Uh, It's weeks one and week four. And essentially what the league is trying to do is because there were no OTAs this year, they're trying to make up basically for missed practice time and ensure that teams have as much time as possible to get ready before the start of the regular season, which kicks off between the Texans and Chiefs on September 10th. The first Sunday is at September 13th. That's when the 49ers are set to open at home against Arizona. I actually think that cutting the first and fourth preseason games to add in some practice time is beneficial for the 49ers. I don't think they'll miss those games at all. No, I don't think anybody will. And, I mean, I I might be in the minority on this. Preseason, to me, is useless. Like Pretty much. A lot of people talk about, and I've heard players say say things like this too, that like good preseason games could elevate your chances of you know making a roster if you otherwise weren't going to, right? To me, in my experience covering the league, those determinations are made a lot more um, based on what happens on the practice field during training camp. And I think preseason is more for fans to give them an opportunity to watch guys throughout the entire roster play. And what drives me insane every August, because it happens without fail, is somebody who comes in the fourth quarter of a preseason game, plays really well, uh, fans get really fired up about him, then he doesn't make the team, everybody questions you know, the coaches, the GMs thinking on this, and then once regular season football starts, n- people forget that player's name, right? It, it like it happens every year. Um, yep. There's Marcus Rush. There's uh, Demontre Moore. Love him. Um, you know, there's there's just always somebody, right? So to me, the preseason is fake football. It's it's essentially lying to fans. Like, and and different coaches have different philosophies on this. I, I think. You know, some coaches do put credence into the idea of preseason and that if you show up in preseason games, maybe you're more likely to show up um, when games really count. Kyle Shanahan does not feel that way. And I, I've asked Kyle Shanahan this before, and he's basically said, like, yeah, training camp matters way more. 
And without saying it directly, Shanahan's basically said, like, you know, in the preseason, we're just trying to come out of it healthy. And and he said that he would much rather have zero preseason games than four, um, but two is probably the right number. Uh, so having two preseason games makes sense. The league saying, or, you know, pe- the, the report being that the league wants to um, give players more of a ramp-up period to get in football shape on the practice field rather than being subject to preseason games does make sense. But there's also the aspect of, you know, you have a chance of, uh, a much greater chance of spreading coronavirus if you have two teams on the field together. Um, so this this cutting cutting half the preseason essentially does a couple things. It prevents teams from from spreading COVID to other teams, or at least gives fewer instances where that's possible. And it also um, give it does give teams more of an opportunity to to ramp up, um, you know, in terms of conditioning and trying to avoid injuries and things like that. Because we know in 2011, where there was a lockout and there was no offseason program, hamstring injuries and Achilles injuries were were significantly up. And there's a pretty good chance that we see something similar this summer. So it makes sense from that standpoint. For me, the first thing that popped into my mind when this news came down was first, of course, because we're seeing coronavirus cases spike um, in place in like throughout the country. And that would indicate to me that we're, you know, as long as cases are going up, the less likely we are to have football, which is what drives me insane about people being unwilling to wear masks and and politicizing the science behind wearing masks and the fact that wearing masks makes it much more difficult to spread coronavirus. But um, that's a separate thing. But to me, this just seemed like the first domino in a potential scenario where everything gets pushed back. Because if coronavirus numbers continue to rise at the rate they are, where we're seemingly getting a record set in a different state every day with how many new cases there are. To me, it seems impossible to have, uh, to, to even think about having a football training camp where you have, um, you know, however many players on the field, in locker rooms, whatever, um, coming together to practice football when all this stuff is happening. I think we're we're getting closer to seeing another shutdown uh, a new shelter-in-place order issued. We're already seeing in California restaurants closed down again and after they had been reopened in some areas. So for me, when I first saw this story yesterday, it was, okay, this is the first domino. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all, frankly, if within a couple weeks we hear the NFL say, all right, that July 28th date we set for most teams starting training camp, we're going to push that back till, you know, mid-August or, you know, two weeks into into August and, and maybe a month into August to give us more time because that was the conversation when the regular season schedule came out, right? It was that the first four weeks of the season are malleable to the point where they could get they could get canceled and added on to the end of the season if the league had to push back the start of the year to the, um, you know, to maybe October. So maybe those first four games – that September schedule, weeks one through four, get pushed back to January. Um, and and so that was the first thought I had, was that this is the first domino in what's likely to be a series of dominoes falling that 
leads to the league pushing things back because we simply don't have any control of the coronavirus at this point. Yeah, it's, uh, that's how it feels. It feels kind of this move felt inevitable and just kind of looking at the landscape and and the direction things are going. It's hard to imagine, even though the NFL is trying to to speak optimistically about how everything is still in line and, and ready to go. I can't imagine the 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 league continuing forward on its on its current schedule. And on that note, Adam Schefter, I guess reported is the right word, floated a rumor. Uh, he didn't. He reported what he, he heard. It wasn't. Right. It, it wasn't the most concrete report I've seen from Schefter. But I do think. Well, we can talk to it. He, spell yeah, so, out what so he what, what he said, and right, then we can so, talk about it. So he tweeted that teams are are considering. Well, the league is considering cutting down ninety man rosters to have basically less people uh, in the building during training camp to avoid uh, more possible COVID-19 spreading. And Schefter said that it could be 75 players, it could be 80 players, but it sounds like teams are not going to go into camp with 90-man rosters and whenever camp starts. And... I, I honestly, I, I think that's probably a good idea. Um, I, I don't see the benefit of having 15 additional players who, who were probably not going to make the team anyways. Yeah, so this is a complicated issue, too, because this goes back to the previous point about canceling preseason games. Right. Um, we heard that I think Mike Garofolo reported yesterday after the news had broke that the league is likely to cancel um, two preseason games that play, the NFL Players Association might push to cancel the entire preseason, which would make absolute sense given that, uh, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to keep people safe and stop spreading the virus. And they're it, when you compare the upside of, you know, the cost-benefit re- ratio of, of you know, having preseason games versus not, there's there's a whole lot to lose if you do have preseason games and spread the virus. I think this falls sort of in the same category in that if we're having to, to, slow, to, to cut roster sizes down from 90 to 80 or 75 or whatever... It feels a lot like the idea of cutting down the preseason game, the preseason schedule in half, and that an argument could be made, well, if we're having to trim rosters to prevent the spread of the virus, why are we doing this to begin with, right? Like, what is there really that much of a meaningful difference between 90 and 75? Like, it's still a large group of people, and even among 75 guys, you're going to have you know, if if trends throughout the country hold throughout the league, which they typically have in terms of the number of cases among athletes tested, there's still going to be guys who are positive. So it doesn't really matter if they're 75 or 90 because there's still a risk of spreading it among a significant group of people. So it's tough for me to look at this situation and, and rationalize you know, we're cutting down preseason games. We're going to have smaller roster size. Like, if you're the NFLPA and you don't want to have... I mean, the NFLPA wants as many player jobs as possible. So they're going to push back, um, you know, because you talk about 
15 spots on every team. Uh, I'm going to pull up my calculator real quick because I can't do 15 times 12 in my head because I haven't done real math in a very long time. That's 180 jobs, right? So the NFLPA probably is going to push back on the league just cutting 180 jobs, right? So I think the this is all sort of leading to, all right, like cutting preseason games in half, trimming the roster size, like what are we even doing here? Why are we doing this? Like, you're not, there. there isn't, I, I just don't, I have a hard time seeing how trimming the roster 10 to 15 players is ultimately going to curtail the spread of coronavirus. Like, I think the virus is going to spread because you have a large group of people, whether that group is 75 or 90. So, go back. going back to, like, the previous point, it's like, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? Why are we risking all these people when we're probably just going to be better off pushing things back at least a month? And I think that's where all this is heading. And I hope I'm wrong because I really don't want that to be the case. Yeah. But just seeing the the numbers spike across the country, it's really hard for me to rationalize in my head. Like numbers are spiking, and very you know that certain. Certain municipalities and and people in charge are making changes. Uh, a lot of people aren't re- reluctantly at the. Uh, a lot of people aren't making changes at the federal level, and so, I just I think this is all leading to things getting pushed back, and that's that's just my opinion. And like listening to Dr. Anthony Fauci today, uh, he did a serious XM hit on um, on N- the NFL radio show. And he was like, I have no idea if an NFL season is going to happen. And under these current circumstances, it would seem impossible to pull off, in essence. And so I just don't know, you know, if unless things take a drastic turn and we start to see cases go down significantly because people are wearing masks, I just don't see how things are going to happen to where, you know, the league is starting up on time and uh, we're, we're actually talking about training camp practices starting July 28th or 29th whenever they begin because there's just no evidence to say that we're that we're going to have this thing under control by then. Yeah, I I I struggle with this a little bit because there's part of me that's like, look, if you have to make this many changes to accommodate possibly a football season, just move it back as needed. Right. That that seems I, I my job jobs depend heavily on the NFL, but like the players matter here, and putting them in a position where it's so dangerous that you're cutting down ninety man rosters and eliminating preseason games is like, there should be, these are red flags to me. Yeah. And I, I, I can't fathom that the league continues to try and push forward if the trends nationally continue where they're going, which is a lot of kind of what you just said. Sean McVay asked the perfect question. It was a rhetorical one on a, on a Zoom call with, with reporters in L.A. He said, they want us to social distance and then go play football. Right. And that just it that hits it. That hits it right on the head. Yeah, it doesn't so, make sense. 
I, I, I get they're going to have mass testing and rapid testing and all that, but it this this virus finds a way to spread, and you know, with the close proximity football players are in at all times, it's not going to take much for for a ton of players on one team to to get infected, and then you're looking at a, a period where a player is out a minimum of two weeks and that's assuming they were totally asymptomatic. Uh, Tommy Hadovy, who's the Cubs pitching coach, said it took him 30 days to get a negative test, and he didn't start to feel normal until day, I think he said, like, 16 or 18, and he checked into the hospital at day 12. Like, there's there's a scenario where where teams could be missing players for, like, a month or more because football is very tough aerobically and I think that's the right word um, it is and this is a disease that attacks the lungs and if somebody gets hit hard by this disease it's not it's not out of the question it's not certain I don't want to make it sound like every player that gets infected is going to have this problem but there's a scenario where a player is out several months because of this and I, I, I'm I don't know I'm I'm and we we don't know if players are going to be willing to play. They're yeah. like we've seen with the NBA, and this has you know this has a lot to do with the social justice stuff going on too. In that guys might decide, and we've seen it in baseball too. Guys might decide to opt out and be like, no, I'm not playing. Right. I'm not playing until we have a vaccine, or I'm not playing until you know numbers go down. Like I don't, I don't see the entire the entire player group of players like being like rushing back to play football and risk things. And I'm the, the vast majority will, but there are going to be guys like, are we a hundred percent certain Richard Sherman, a father of two who's made a ton of money in the league already, who doesn't really have to prove anything to anybody is going to be like, yeah, I'm dying to play football and, and go be in a locker room while COVID cases are running rampant everywhere else. Right. You know, and so the NFL hasn't even allowed team employees back at team facilities yet, and we're going to start training camp in, you know, just over three weeks. It's crazy. It's crazy. hard to imagine. Hard to imagine. All right, All right. Let's, let's take a sit. quick break. Yeah. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a chance Sorry, for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, Blue Wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Let's brighten this right. thing up, huh? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's get to some Twitter questions. Just a few today. Uh, this one from, we'll start with the one from Chris Falco, because it, it kind of fits in with the conversation we were just having. Chris asks, if the season were canceled, what ramifications would that have on the 49ers' future contracts, or current contracts? That's something the league would have to work out. Yeah, so I'll admit, I I didn't prepare by reading the CBA and going through it and trying to figure out... um, Sorry, Chris. Not you, Chris. Chris Falco. 
<laughs> um, but I would imagine that if the entire season was canceled, that um, the the those years wouldn't vest, right? Like the the those years, the guys, the the contract status right now would be the same as a year from now, if there was no football played over the next twelve months. Right. So like. George Kittle's going into the final year of his deal. He wouldn't just be a free agent this offseason. Yeah, if the season was canceled, I have a hard time right. imagining that that would be the case. But you know what? I'm, I am I am definitely going to look back into that um, and talk to some people and do some reporting because these are all subjects that we're going to have to tackle over these next few weeks. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so we're put, we'll put a uh, bookmark in this one, Chris hey. Falco, and uh, – <laughs> We will we'll, we'll get back to you on this, but I can't hey. imagine that if there's zero football played, that uh, these guys would accrue years on their deals. Yeah, hey, so Chris Falco, that was a long way of saying, nah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> Brian Williams. The I Brian don't Williams. Think it's, I don't think it's NBC's Brian Williams, but maybe okay. if it is, shouts. What's up? Loved the Brink reference. Are you Team Puppin Suds slash Soul Skaters or X Blades? Buddy, while well, X-Blades was super cool, Chris, you won't get this reference because you haven't seen Brink. You should get on it. Disney Plus. You're welcome. Uh, while X-Blades was super cool and had the aesthetic that, like, eight- or nine-year-old me really wanted in in the late 90s slash early 2000s, Team Puppin' Suds is really cool. Like, I love the underdog story. I loved the camaraderie. They were nice. I was always the person who rooted for the people who were nice and not the mean people and Team Exploits sucked. They were they were they were the worst. And when Brink joined Team Exploits, spoiler alert, Chris, I was I was distraught. So I'm team puppin' suds all the way. Now pertaining to football, his question continues. Now pertaining to football, what is the most underrated move the Niners have made recently? Like a trade, a signing, player, or staff additions that if not done, the Niners are not where they are today. Huh. Hmm. It's a really good question. All right. So this isn't a move that they've made, but I think one of the most underrated developments of the offseason is that the vast majority of the Niners coaching staff remains intact. They didn't lose any of their coordinators. Uh, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel are still around. passing game coordinator. What's that? Nothing. I was just being a jerk. Keep going. Okay. Uh, Robert Sala did not get a head coaching job. Um, they did lose Joe Woods, who was a very important assistant. Uh, he's now the he was their defensive passing game coordinator slash secondaries coach last year. And uh, you talk to the players, and they'll tell you that Joe Woods, just in his preparation and the way he analyzed opponents, um, was really really helpful, and I think instrumental in in the secondary sort of resurgence. Now we don't know if Tony Odin's, you know, gonna gonna provide uh the same level of coaching that um that Joe Woods did, but I think overall the fact that the 49ers widely considered around the league as having one of the better staffs just in terms of coordinators and, and assistants when you talk about, you know, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel um, and Robert Sala, keeping all those guys and keeping that continuity intact, particularly in an offseason with no offseason program or any on-field work, that continuity is really important, and I think that's probably the most underrated development of the offseason. Um, 
underrated move that they made from a personnel perspective. I don't know. I think Charlie Warner is going to be good, and I like Colton McKivitz. I think Colton McKivitz has a really good shot at starting at right guard and 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 being a really you know a, a productive right guard for a few years. But they all of their moves have have been pretty high profile, doesn't it feel like that? Yeah, I took I took the question a little bit as like a move they've made over the last several years. Okay. So like a trade, a signing. I think that the Drake Greenlaw move doesn't get enough credit. As like like everybody talks about George Kittle as a fifth round pick is a great find. But finding Dre Greenlaw in the fifth round, I think, was huge because in the modern NFL, having linebackers that can cover is a, a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And had the Niners lost Quan Alexander last year and then taken a steep dive at that position when Greenlaw or whoever would have been playing in Greenlaw's spot stepped into that starting role at uh, Will Linebacker. Uh, I'm not sure the Niners make it to the Super Bowl. Right. Like, we saw, like, Aziz Alshire is probably the prototypical replacement-level player, right? Yeah, like, like like, he's, he's fine. But he struggled pretty badly, like, against the Ravens, for example. Yeah, right. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not any disrespect to Aziz, but, like, when you're an undrafted rookie, it's really tough to play at the NFL, yeah. at the NFL level against somebody like Lamar Jackson in an offense like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I am in 100% agreement with you in that. Good teams, if you can draft starters slash star players like George Kittle's a star in the fifth round um that's immensely helpful in your chances to contend yeah and you just look at you get Kittle in the fifth round DJ Jones is a sixth rounder he's going to be a starter this year Emmanuel Mosley's probably going to start he was an undrafted guy you have a third rounder at middle linebacker in in Fred Warner you have a fifth rounder in Dre Greenlaw he had a cheap, relatively cheap free safety with Jimmy Ward. Although I know he's a first round pick, but you get it. Like that's that's gonna be that's how you keep championship windows open. So Drake Greenlaw's my pick. How about Brian's question. you mentioned Jimmy Ward. How about the faith the 49ers had in Jimmy Ward and Eric Armstead? Yeah. yeah. A year ago. When there were only questions about their viability in terms of being good starters because of, you know, their past and the Niners believing in them and then getting career years out of both of them and, and both those guys really helping the team get to the get to where it was. Underrated, too, in my opinion. Good call. Next, Next question. question. Yep, from Matt Salaberry. Can we expect Shanahan to leverage the size of Jalen Hurd and Jawan Jennings in short yardage slash goal line situations? And that's going to lead in nicely to our final question. So, uh, real quick, I, I want to. I'll start here. Yep. I think to an extent, yes. But Shanahan, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, Shanahan's bigger thing with receivers is like, can you get open? And size is great. Like, you love a player who has speed and size and can get open. But he's not just going to put a bad receiver out there because he's big and throw a jump ball to him. 
that's just not really the way Shanahan operates. But if Jalen Hurd or Juwan Jennings can create some space in short areas and then box out a smaller defender to make a tough contested catch, then yeah, because frankly, like that's something that George Kittle's not great at. He's excellent at just about everything. He's not a player that you can just throw up a contested catch to and he's going to go get it. So uh, to answer the question, maybe a little, I don't think both of those guys make the roster. And I think if they were going to leverage a player like Hurd's size, it might be as like a running back on, you know, short yardage near the goal line situations. So during training camp last year, there, you know, it's it's sort of taboo to talk about at the time while it's happening because the team, the team's PR staff will tell you not to report anything schematic. Um and so one of the things that happened, and I feel like I can say this now because of the statute of limitations or whatever, and if Niners PR wants to come after me for this, I'm more than happy to have that discussion with them. But uh, Jalen Hurd got a lot of reps, not a lot of reps, he got some reps during training camp at running back. And of course, he played running back at, at Tennessee, um, ended up switching, he had had a falling out with the coaching staff there, wanted to switch positions, played receiver at Baylor. Uh, the rest is history, but he did get some reps at running back, and mm-hmm. from what I remember, they were on passing plays. So, Jalen Hurd to me, as you know, I, I know 49ers fans are really excited about the possibility yeah. of Jalen Hurd. Let me pause you real quick. Yeah. This is going to answer the last question from Baltimore Baldovinos. I hope I didn't mess that up. He says, what do you expect from Jalen Hurd this year? So I'll give you the floor to kind of answer that here. All right. So my thing with Jalen Hurd, and I mentioned it on this pod before, is that back injuries are tricky. It's really hard for me to pencil a guy in who missed his entire rookie season because of back surgery um, to just say, oh, yeah, he's going to be great. Like, I think he has an immensely high upside. I just, I don't want to expect it. I just can't expect it from somebody who's who's coming off a significant back significant back injury. But based on what we saw in training camp, there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic about Jalen Hurd, which of course stem it creates the optimism that the fan base has about him. I totally get all of that. Um, Kyle Shanahan likes positionless football. He lines Kyle Uzcheck up in the backfield out wide. Any player can run any route in Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's that's one of the things that makes it so complicated. Trent Taylor could line up in the slot and run the same route as Trent Kittle or Trent Kittle, Trent George Kittle, Kittle. Nice, George Kittle on the same play. Like you could have anybody, any skill position player can line up anywhere and run the same route. So with Jalen Hurd, you get some of that like mismatch creation ability to line him up anywhere, play positionless football, exploit some weak point on the opposing defense through matchups. Like, Jalen Hurd gives you all that. Um, and so, yeah, if it wouldn't surprise me at all because Jalen Hurd has, like, 30 pounds on basically all of the 49ers running backs. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he were healthy and, and he were used in short yardage or the goal line as a running back. That's part of the appeal, but I think he's going to be a pass catcher first and maybe end up running a lot of the same routes George Kittle does. Um, the Juwan Jennings thing is interesting to me because you watch what he did in high school. He was a quarterback in high school. 
and yeah. a really effective running quarterback in high school. So we saw, I don't remember if the 49ers did this in, in any other game, but you remember in New Orleans, one of their goal line packages was Richie James, the receiver, taking a wildcat snap, and, and I think they ran the option out of it. It, it didn't work. It did not work. But, Only time they ran it all year. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Jawan Jennings was used in that capacity at at yeah. times. You know, like a wild cat, like throw a wrinkle in here and there. Um, yeah, the use U- him University of Tennessee used him like that. Yeah, just just to give the defense something else to think about. Um, so yeah, I I absolutely could see that happening in terms of what I expect for Hurd. I mean, if he's healthy, he could be a really interesting part of the defense, um, and the Forty ers might need him to be a significant part of, sorry, offense. The 49ers might need him to be a significant piece if uh, Debo Samuel has to miss any time. Um, but I I know Jalen Hurd's working out. I know he went to Nashville and he participated in some workouts at San Jose. I do not know how much the 49ers can rely on him. I, I think if he's healthy and productive, that's almost like found money at this point just because back injuries are so tricky. Um but we'll have to see. But in terms of, like, most intriguing players going into camp, like if you were to write a post of most intriguing 49ers, Jalen Hurd would be way up there because his upside is immense, particularly in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and part of that is is the versatility he has. Yeah, I'm not expecting huge things out of Jalen Hurd this year, but it wouldn't surprise me if he has the kind of year where he has maybe two or three rushing touchdowns and maybe catches one or two. And there are flashes that make him like one of the one of the players people are talking about this next off season and going, oh man, Jalen Hurd, just wait till he breaks out. That's I think that's to me kind of the ceiling for him this year. I don't think I don't think there's going to be some kind of like double digit touchdown year for him in the in the near future. And he also provides a different personality element. Like he he was. He is mean. He was ruthless during training camp when it came to blocking in the running game as a receiver. Um, and, of course, he's a lot bigger than all the 49ers receivers. So it was it was noticeable that he was blocking as hard as he was. And he even, like, pissed off enough 49ers defenders to start a couple fights during training camp. Um, and so that like that's sort of the dynamic that he brings. And I think that's an element that... I don't want to say the 49ers offense lacked, but I think it would be a welcome addition um, from that standpoint. He's going to start with him staying healthy. Yeah. And if he can do that, then, then I think Stanley will find a way for him to produce. Hey, everybody, thank you for your questions. Chris, thanks for jumping on on this holiday weekend podcast. We will be back next week with more Candlestick Chronicles. In the meantime, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. See you. Wear a mask. Back to you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.